Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Boston Celtics uh, Sports Ethos Podcast. It's I, your host, Lucas Gainer, here with my co-host, Patrick Lonsbury. And, you know, unfortunately, we're coming here, uh, coming to you live after a Game 6 loss in the NBA Finals. The season is complete, Pat. Uh, the Celtics finish up their season losing 103-90. to Hard-fought battle, man. The Celtics really gave it everything they had to try and make this a game. But in the end, the Warriors just had a little bit too much firepower, Pat. It's kind of a sad day, but also for me, Pat, there's a lot of good things, you know, that we can look forward to, we can look back on. Um, so how are you doing today, Pat, man? How did you wake up sad today, man? I know I did. <laughs> today is a day that we recognize the Warriors experience mattered. You know, they 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 came to the NBA Finals. They played tough. And ultimately, the Celtics were just not they just weren't there yet. Um, waking up today, you definitely felt a little bit of a, a gloominess, for sure. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's a lot to, to look forward to with what the Celtics did this season. And even all the way throughout the playoffs, there's still things to look forward to in the future. But let's let's jump into it, man. Let's talk about game six of the NBA Finals. What you got for me, Lucas? Well, I, oh, okay. What you, what you, I'm letting you kick off, bro. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about no, it, man. The, I mean, bro, I mean, the first quarter, the game started really well. And it felt like, okay, you know, the Celtics are kind of, you know, putting their foot on the gas. You know, they're doing their thing here. You can kind of see that, uh, you know, they understand how important this is. The back is up against the wall. You know, these chances don't come around all the time. you got to put your foot, your pedal to the metal, basically. And that's how it felt for the first six, seven minutes of the first quarter. And then by the time the quarter ended, those second six minutes, those last five minutes, the Warriors finished with a five-point lead at the end of the first quarter. So, Pat, for me, that's when I was like, oh, boy. Like, I thought we started really well, but the Warriors were able to rebound so quickly and take a five-point lead into the second quarter that I was like, I definitely wasn't like the game is over or anything like that. Because I was hopeful, you know, for a pretty long time in this game, but it just was not a good sign to me that that's you know how the first quarter ended up going down. Yeah, and I went into this game as as clear about from our last podcast, and I thought you know the Warriors were going to win, and I thought I really thought the series was over because I just thought the Celtics were just gassed and they were they were they were done. In the first few minutes, I was just like thinking to myself, I was like, all right. Maybe maybe we're not as gassed as I thought. They they kind of almost had me for for a second there, and then when they when the first quarter ends, I go. I think that's that was their last punch. That's where my mindset went because of my expectations when I was going to Game Six. I go, did they just throw their last punch in the first five six minutes of this game and just was hoping it was hard enough to like just make the Warriors kind of like be like, yeah, we don't have it today, but. It's the NBA Finals, so the team's not going to be like, hey, we don't have it today. And then when the things kind of level out, you then got the Warriors coming out, and they're like, no, we're, we're here to finish the job. And at that point, it felt like the Celtics came into that game with 70% of what they had left energy-wise, and they used up as much as they could in that first five, six minutes to see if they can like just buy themselves – some more time in a sense of trying to get the Warriors to be a little bit more discouraged and have, make it, make it an uglier game. 
And ultimately, the the Warriors didn't play that type of game throughout the rest of the game. And the Celtics really caught themselves with, we just used a lot of our energy and we're, we're kind of not, <laughs> we don't have left much left in the tank. And we saw a team really struggle throughout this game, uh, trying to find some type of consistency from everyone, even though some of the players did play well. The consistency factor overall as a group was just not there energy-wise. I mean, I'm with you, man. I mean, I think it's pretty evident at some point that, you know, like we had the discussion last show about the minute distribution and whether or not that's on email or not. But, you know, I said last show, I think it just boiled down to a conditioning issue. And I think that, you know, maybe they weren't conditioned enough. You know, I know Jason had been affected by COVID, so I don't want to like push you hard on that because that's obviously very serious. And I just think at some point, man, when you play the most minutes in the league and you're not accustomed to it, it catches up with you. And you mentioned last show about the air balls, you know, those were indicative. And I think a lot of the turnovers, man, I mean, the more tired you are, the more physically gassed, the more mentally gassed you are, the more prone you are to making not only bad decisions, but just bad, you know, plays in general. Like Jason was making bad decisions with the ball, but he was also just making like weak passes or, you know, being weak with the ball. So I think it's a combination of physical and mental, you know, exhaustion that really played into you know, what kind of folded the Celtics at the end of the day? I mean, I think we all can admit the turnovers were the number one problem, but I think the turnovers are a symptom of a of a few different things and you know, exhaustion and you know, dead legs are definitely are definitely one of them, I would say. But I mean, it just I mean, I'm still like kind of like it still stings, you know, Pat? Like they were so close, man. Like that third quarter, I'm like, here it is. Jalen is waking up. He's going to bring us, you know, bring us back and Jason can take us home. And at the end of the day, Jason mightily struggled there in the second half of game six. And there's no way around that. And, you know, you can probably chop that up to a lot of different factors, but it still stings, Pat, knowing that maybe we had a chance to force a game seven. I got to admit it stings, man. Yeah. And you talked about how, you know, we, we kind of threw another punch there in the third, that, that probably, shocked me the most was I really thought like once it kind of got out of hand there where they're up 20 I was like man there's we could just like and and just enjoy and just reminisce at this point of the season and call it call it a day you know and Jalen Brown shout out to Jalen Brown because he was the the one who really showed out he was amazing game six um expected because you know he he really struggled in game five but uh, he came out in game six, played really well, and gave the Celtics some type of hope here late. But then there was moments where it's like they were down, I think it was 12 points. They hit two buckets straight, two straight possessions, two straight stops, got it within eight, and then their next like three trips on the court were turnovers. And it was just like – No, it was brutal to watch, Pat. I'll tell you that much. Seeing it up close, but I was – I was crumbling, really, as a human being. I was like, I can't, oh, this is tough. <laughs> they started stepping on their own feet late. That's all it was. It came down to again. It came down to them, the fatigueness, the lack of ball movement, the lack of body movement. It, it all just came back to fruition, and the team crumbled late. And, and ultimately, you know, Steph Curry was great. Um, also want to give credit to the Warriors organization in general, like, 
kudos kudos to the Warriors, man. Like that's a that's a effing dynasty over there, and a, a one that you have to respect. Four championships in a eight year time period is is hella hella hard, and they've literally won fifty percent of the championships in the last eight years. So um, people can say what they want about the Warriors. At the end of the day, that's a dynasty in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Pat. I mean, listen, there's a lot of discourse on Twitter about a lot of different things. I'm trying to stay off Twitter to be completely truthful. There's a lot of negative things flying around there about our guys. But, you know, there's people right now saying that the Warriors are not a dynasty. Where do people get off, man? I don't know. That team is definitely a dynasty. I personally don't have – I was even saying this last night to, you know, some Warrior fans. I'm like, I can sleep at night knowing I lost lost to Steph Curry in a team that's a dynasty. If we lost to the Suns, I would be I would I would be much more upset, you know, than I am currently. Um, it's a little more stomachable to lose to a guy like Stephen Curry, who just is such a talented shot maker and a team who has proven time and time again that you know they're elite talent, elite level. They're now on their fourth championship, and also you know shout out to Steph Curry, man. I mean. It, it pains me to hand it to the guy, you know, considering he just beat our butts, but he's a four-time champion. He's undisputed all-time great point guard, all-time great player. And uh, I think he was disparaged for too long. And, you know, I'm glad to see, you know, people finally giving him the props he deserves because he all of a sudden got this finals MVP. You know, he was, he was worthy of all the praise before for me, but now even the doubters are seeing the truth. So got to hand it to Steph Curry, got to hand it to the Warriors. Uh, got handed to the Warriors ownership who are willing to pay an incredibly high luxury tax bill. Listen, that's important in sports, man. You see it in baseball, you see it in football with the Rams and you definitely see it in the NBA with the teams like the Warriors and such. So, you know, a couple of Massachusetts guys there owning the Warriors, you know, they did what it had to take as far as, you know, paying that luxury tax bill to get the right players in the building. So, you know, shout out to that organization, man, as a whole, you know, really did Pat, some people aren't going to want to hear this, man, but it did feels like the better team won the finals, in my opinion. It does, in my in my opinion. Ah, oh, man. Ah, uh, I think um, we'll say the better team won. I won't say the more talented team won. Mm. And what I and I, and that's not even a slight to the Warriors. I think more players on the on the Celtics, I think, played under what they are as individuals. Um, we we both can agree that one of them being our our best player, Jason Tatum, played um, probably one of his worst series of his. This probably the worst series of his career, and um, he took it to heart, man. He really did. Like people can say what they want about Jason Tatum, try to downplay him as a, as a person after this, or or just kind of talk about him in any way they really want to. At the end of the day. Jason Tatum is probably going to be more hard on himself than anybody else could possibly be on him. And apparently, so apparently when he was doing his uh, uh, exit interview, Jason Tatum was seen pretty emotional. And he, when he does his exit interviews and stuff like that, when he does his interviews in general with the media, he just does not really show a lot of emotion. And he seems pretty pretty sturdy as like a, a person and very mature and everything like that. But it, it was very, very clear that he was very emotional and he took everything really hard throughout the series. So I actually think that's a good th- sign to see. It sucks to see Jason Tatum in that state, but that's the type of like moment 
that flips a switch in somebody and wants them to like work harder, you know, like, um, a little football reference in a, in a way is like, you know, Stefan Diggs ended up like watching the celebration of like another team. But to me, like Jason Tatum showing emotions and like that type of aspect gives me those type of vibes where it's like, he wants that to hurt as much as possible. So he knows that like, I want to get back here and I want to make up for it. And I think, I really believe that with Jason Tatum. I think he's going to put in a tremendous amount of work. And I'm not saying we're ever going to get an opportunity to go back to the NBA finals, but if Jason Tatum does go back to the NBA finals at any point in his future, I think things are going to be way different. And this moment is a clear reasoning for my belief. No. And yeah, totally. I mean, thing about Jason, man, is you got to go watch that interview. If you're a Celtics fan, you haven't. Go watch the post-game presser. I mean, Jason is a very even-keeled, incredibly mature young man. And that's probably the most distraught or uh, lost for words I've ever seen him at the podium. And it pained me to watch that man because, you know, I know we cover the team and I try to view them, you know, objectively and all that. But at the end of the day, these are my guys, you know. So it, it really stunk to see that. Like you said, it hurt, but – at least to the, uh, at least at the end of the day, you know Jason's probably going to come back even stronger than he did, uh, even stronger than he did this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, now, Pat, just to move on to the second quarter here, um, you know I think the biggest, I'm not going to say the biggest stretch of the game, but one of the biggest stretches of the game is that time where where Ime basically the quarter starts. He calls a timeout less than a minute later after the quarter starts. Another minute goes by, another timeout from Ime. I mean, the Celtics came out at the beginning of that second quarter. Um, they gave up uh, two two Jordan Poole threes and two shots inside the restricted area to Andrew Wiggins. And I just didn't think they came out with the intensity or, you know, however they had to come out in the beginning of that second quarter. And I think those two timeouts are evident of that. I mean – I don't know what else. What do you have to say about that, Pat? Because that that did feel like a pretty big moment in the game, honestly. No, absolutely. Uh, it, it was a huge moment, and Ime tried his best to like stop stop he the tried. bleeding before it really began. And even for Ime, it was inevitable. And I think Ime can read up on that and stuff. And it's just like, damn, like you you gotta this this team was just not not ready. Uh, you, we could cut it any way you want. You can blame it on a lot of things. You can blame it on turnovers. You can talk about the experience. You can talk about the greatness of Steph. There is a multitude of variables that added up, and ultimately there were more variables that leaned in the favor of the Warriors at the end of the day than the Boston Celtics, and you make too many self-mistakes. You're leaning variables in, in the Warriors' favor, and the Warriors are a team that we're going to take advantage of that and we talked about how if the Celtics wanted to beat the Warriors, you had to try to limit the amount of times you were shooting yourself in the foot because what shooting yourself in the foot may have cost you six points against another team, it's costing you 12 to 15 against the Warriors. And we saw a lot of that with the way that the Celtics kind of played. And the Warriors definitely did exactly what we thought if we gave them the opportunity in the sense of how we were going to perform. And I'm also not going to take away like the the Warriors didn't cause some of that chaos because they definitely did. You know, the way that they run an offense and, and do so much ball movement and stuff that that wears teams out too. Like and they wear out teams without physically wearing them out. 
in a sense that because they test your condition. They're like they're very well they're so well conditioned, super well. They, they have so to be well to run in that offense to run around screens and to have Curry, you know, get forty something picks in a game is it's insane. Yeah. No, unironically, Steph Curry might be the mo- most conditioned player in the, in the NBA. Seriously. I mean, running off screens like that nonstop. And also, Steph played good defense. And I got to hand it to the Warriors, man. They played good defense. I mean, they forced these turnovers. They they made the driving lane small. They stunted. They recovered to shooters very well. Their rotations were on point. You know, even their more ancillary pieces, you know, end of the bench, end of the rotation guys. Bielitsa, you want to talk about Kavon Looney played a good series, man. Otto Porter was quite good. I mean, Draymond played fantastic defense on Jalen and Andrew Wiggins, who I was told by, you know, a lot of Celtics fans before the series, they weren't super worried about him guarding Jason. They should have been, simply. Andrew Wiggins was not an all-star starter for no reason. He's They call him two-way Wiggs for a reason. Elite defender, good offensive player. That's what he is. He got no odd defensive votes. To me, that's a crime. He was phenomenal defensively this year if you watch the Warriors. And, you know, I had to give him his props for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, Pat, if you can put a percentage on it, I because I don't know if I can, so it's a little unfair of me to ask. But if you had to say what percent of the Celtics' turnovers were forced versus unforced, could you put a number on it, do you think? Because I'm sure, I mean, you can boil it down and go look through all the turnovers, but I, I didn't do that, but. I'm guessing probably just from watching the games and stuff. I'm gonna say like, I want to say like 35 or unforced, 30 to 35. Yeah, I was gonna go 60 40, but yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, like I, I think three. Say they had 10 turnovers. I'm thinking three or four of them were unforced. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think that yeah. was like that's the margin right there, right? Like, your the defense is gonna be great. The, the Warriors have a great defense, so they're going to be great at the end of the day. So they're going to cause those like six turnovers, right? right? Like in the first half or something like that. Cool. They can they can enforce like 12 of them, and then maybe you can have like three or four unforced throughout the rest of the game. That's around 15, 16. Not the most ideal for the Celtics in general, but at the same time, like it's those are those were the things. Those were the things that I thought you couldn't do too much and get away with it in this series. This wasn't going to be the, like the other series. Like those Warriors are going to thrive on the opportunity and pounce on those live ball turnovers. The live ball is important. Like that's that's the important part. If the Celtics had turnovers that were going out of bounds, I also felt like eight out of ten turnovers were live. Oh, a bunch of live ball turnovers. Man. Live ball is way worse than um, than like throwing a ball out of bounds and like getting yeah, getting to go set your defense. Like, and the messed up part is Pat. You say so. You say you say four out of ten turnovers right are unforced. The last couple of games, that means the Celtics had, you know, eight, maybe nine unforced turnovers. Terrible. That's Terrible. way too many. Um, but you know, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to be super doom and gloom because, like I said, man, I'm so proud of this team, what they accomplished. This is so not normal. The turnaround that the Celtics had this season, from being under 500 in November to, oh, Pat, there were some days where we got on this year's Spotify Live app, and there were Celtics fans saying, "Blow it up." Trade Jalen or Jason, we don't care. Rebuild. This core is not it. This team is not it. Now, I wonder where they are now, Pat, that we made the NBA Finals. Probably the same people saying the season was a failure. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I understand how it was easy to lose, potentially lose faith during the beginning of the season. But at the end of the day, you know, we have a very bright future. These guys are under contract. You should still feel good about the direction of the Celtics. They are trending in a positive direction. 
However, I'm not going to tell anyone they should be not upset about losing in the finals because nothing is guaranteed. And at the end of the day, you know, it's no guarantee the Celtics ever get back. I think they will personally, but it's definitely no guaranteed. So, uh, you know, it just, I'm not going to tell anyone they can't be upset, but I just think that at the end of the day, man, the season was not a failure in my eyes. That might be unpopular to some people, but it was not a failure in my eyes. And there are still things to be happy about that have happened and that we have to look forward to. No, absolutely. And then uh, we, we just talked about the fourth quarter, the, the total, total collapse, you know, and, and it just, it just happened, man. It, it really did. Uh, this team just, I think the inexperience really showed, right? Um, I think they were just gassed out of condition for um, what a finals level type of conditioning requires, which it's it's definitely uh, something that the Celtics team didn't have enough of. Like they have some of it because they got there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. But you have to have enough to get all the way through it, and they just – it was like they were running a marathon and they got 90% away from the finish line and started dropping behind a lot of people, watching a lot of people pass them as they get to the finish line. It, it was kind of like in that type of sense. And it's like, all right, we got to work on making sure that we don't finish at the 90, we finish at a hundred. So if we, even if like they end up losing another NBA finals, if they ever get there, like you just want to see uh, them not look as gassed while they're losing. Like they go seven games, it's tough back and forth last game. And it's just like, damn, other team just made better shots or game six. Damn. They just made tougher shots. Cool. You can like be like, it wasn't because we just weren't ready for the moment. Um, I felt, you know, with the results, uh, it kind of felt like the team just wasn't ready for the moment as much as we may have hoped that they would have been, which is tough. And you can disagree with that as much as you want, because I think it's a subjective of opinions, but I, th- I think the Celtics can learn a lot from that moment. And also, like, it's it's so refreshing to see. Like, we talked about this team going into this year and this being a bridge year, man, and we were two wins away from a championship. Like, that's – talk about a rookie coach coming in, having a half-season you know season turnaround and having a, a guard win, defensive player year for the first time and – since the nineties to this year was special, man. And I don't want people to like be reasonably biased or just like be super down on the whole fact of the Celtics, you know, not winning at all. Like that doesn't make the season a failed season. It just makes it in a sense of being like, Hey, we really know what we need to work on now. Job is so much more that we can improve in. And it, it really excites me because we have so much to improve in and we're two wins away from winning a championship with those improvements needed. So I'm just excited to, to see, you know, this team and everything like that. I'm disappointed in the result, but ultimately proud of, proud of this team. Incredibly proud, Pat. And it is not normal, man, to do that crazy turnaround. This is one of the greatest turnarounds in North American sports or, I should say American sports because, uh, listen, I like the CFL, but I'm no expert, so maybe there was an in-season turnaround that rivals this. But in American sports, you know, this is a turnaround of, you know, unseen proportions, really. I mean, maybe only a couple times in, in American sports history before this, but 
I just, yeah, you shouldn't take the season for granted. Honestly, it hurts the season being over, Pat, because I absolutely loved this. Uh, I love this team. You know, they got rid of a lot of their old bad habits. They fought super hard when they were facing adversity. You know, which was something we did not see the previous season. It was really fun to have Ime Udoka as our head coach. You know, especially Pat, I know as two, us two, as two people who completely bought in at Ime from the absolute jump and never jump. I was his right-hand man that whole time. I never jumped off the ship, okay? And uh, so it feels good to have, you know, seen him, you know, below my expectations out of the water still. He's an amazing coach. You know, we finally got over the Eastern Conference Finals hump. And, you know, there's a saying uh, there's a saying in soccer, Pat, basically, or in, in English, English football, really, that uh, they say, you know, you never win your first cup final, right? You know, you have to get to the final and lose, basically, to the, of the Champions League before you ever win it. It's just how it is. And that maybe is kind of how I feel now. You know, we got over the Eastern Conference finals hump. Our young guys got a taste of what it's like to be in the finals. Um, and, you know, I know that's not that you have to lose before you win is not applicable to every NBA champion. I understand that. But for our scenario, it feels that's kind of the way, man. They had to lose. They had to taste it, you know, get so close watch those guys celebrate on the floor and, you know, come back stronger next year. And I think Pat, you know, I don't think we'll do too much off season talk today, man, because it feels kind of scummy to just start throwing around trades one day after the NBA season just ended and when our team was in the finals, but this season, this off season is lining up to be very, very intriguing here. And I'm really excited to, you know, start talking about it at some point, you know? Yeah, we we won't dive into it. We gotta we gotta be able to save some type of content because we're gonna be uh, in in about two three weeks. Lucas and I are gonna be scraping at the barrel to to really dig up some real hot takes of of some podcast takes here. But no, I mean I agree with you. Like you you're talking about the experience of getting to the finals and what that does for a team. Now we have the experience, right? <laughs> we went into the series with zero finals experience. We leave you know, the finals with six games of experience and all those guys are, are coming back next year. Like uh, seeing the, the Celtics, you know, experience is the best teacher and that's in life, in sports and maybe your work, any, any part of your aspect of your life, experiencing things is just a different way of learning. You could be told, Hey, you got to be like this, or this is going to happen. But then if you try to do it a different way and you get knocked and you learn from it and you're like, you're right. I really needed to do this more to get there. And I think the Celtics now just learned a lesson. You, you experienced the NBA finals and the Warriors taught you what it takes to win a championship, right? You saw firsthand. It's different when you're on the court and somebody beats you in that certain way. And that way you were learning like, damn, so we got to be like that. We got to be conditioned like that. We have to be locked in like that in order for us to be on the other side of this. So learning that firsthand is going to be extremely crucial for this group moving forward. And I'm excited for that challenge for them because with the way the group of guys we have with the coach we have, I think that going into the off season, the responsibilities and the tasks that I, I believe Ime will be the type of coach where he may not be like hard and be like, you know, waste your off season, just working on certain areas. But I think he's going to go ahead with every player and 
and break down what they need to be working on during this off season. And with the way that this group of guys respond, I think they're going to take whatever advice that they're being given to work on this summer. And they're going to really hone in on that. So I'm excited for that part of the upcoming off season for our group. 100% man. A lot of these guys have areas where they can improve and, you know, I trust them all to do that. Um, specifically, I think one player I'm really looking forward to the, the leap they take as a player is Grant Williams. I think his exit comments really said it well. He basically said, I couldn't do enough. I wasn't absolutely the player I needed to be. Um, you know, I need to be able to get my shot off in different situations. I just can't be a catch and shoot guy. I 100% agree. And I think Grant is going to develop his shot diversity and he's going to develop his post game. Those are two big things. You know, I see him developing to actually make him a much more legitimate threat. So I hope we can extend Grant at a very reasonable, very reasonable cost. You know, I know we talked with Adam about it. Adam mentioned upwards of 20 mil. You know, with all due respect, that makes me, I tell, it makes me cringe. Okay. I don't want to pay Grant $20 million. Okay. I want the 12 to 15 range personally. Okay. You know, I understand why you would maybe pay a little bit more to keep him because he's already a proven role player, and I know the cap is going up. So it's 20 mil is not 20 mil old. But he shouldn't get paid more than Marcus Smart. I think we can all agree on that. So basically, I think we should retain Grant. I can see him taking, you know, a huge jump, um, a huge jump in his offensive gameplay and, you know, continue to be that stout defender he is. So that's one specifically, Pat, I'm looking really forward to. And then everybody and their mom is going to say Jalen Brown and his handles, and I understand why. Okay, you know, he was weak with the ball at times. But I think a lot of that just has to do with decision-making. Um, and his handles are pretty decent. He just, you know, can't drive right into a double team. But alas, Patrick, I don't want to be too negative here. We have a TPE from Evan Fournier. We actually have like nine TPEs, you know, a couple of $10 million ones, around a $17 million one, and a, and a few $2 million ones. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot the Celtics can do. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens on June 23rd, the night, of the night of the NBA draft, because not necessarily because the Celtics will make a move, but I think some chips will fall, some moves will be made. And it's kind of, it's going to at least shrink the trademark a little bit, in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, huge draft guy, Pat, Peyton Watson at number 57 from UCLA. Let's do it. That's my second round guy this year. Last year it was Herb Jones. Okay. This year it's Peyton Watson. You were you were money on Herb Jones too. I think we both were really high on Herb um, when we talked about it. Herb was nice. Herb is uh, nice. Dude. But, Can you imagine uh, Herb I, I think it's I think it's fair to say, Lucas, that if we're talking about the draft at this point, that that pretty much wraps up our our episode because we got to save some content at the end of the day. <laughs> For us yeah, as, we, probably, as we move listen, forward, I let the cat out of the bag with Peyton Watson, but you know, yeah, Lucas is letting some spill. If I don't, if I don't stop the the podcast now, Lucas is gonna oh, Lucas go. is gonna start rolling right now and snowballing, and then we're gonna talk 100%. about all the things that we don't have content for, and we're just gonna be pulling out draft prospects in the second round for all the next episodes. So I'm going to save the listeners' ears in that sense. Terrific, terrific choice, Pat, because you just saved listeners from 30 minutes of that talk right there. So we'll just get them a 30, 40 minute episode, you know, in a few days here to try and, you know, ease the pain of this finals loss. Because, Pat, I was about to go. So <laughs> good move. <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. Uh, also, one one thing I wanted to mention before we, we go, man, is uh, shout out to Al Horford playing his ass 
off in that game six. Um, he played really well. Uh, he wasn't playing well all series. I thought he, he showed up uh, for that last game. Uh, I thought he, he deserved some love. Him and Jalen definitely showed up. A lot of the other guys did not. But um, that does wrap up things here for yeah. us. I will just say also shout out Al Horford, Pat. Maybe next show we can just you know do a little season evaluation of each guy. You know, give them their just due because obviously this is kind of just breaking down our feelings after you know the finals loss and everything. So you know every guy will get their just due on the show because we had a lot of different contributors this year, and I you know every one of them should be appreciated. So we'll definitely do a little reminiscing um, episode during this uh, off season. It might be like in a week or two where we just kind of like emotions are officially like tempered and we can really just take it in a little bit better and and have a better evaluation of the situation um lucas and i may sound like we're we're really sounding optimistic but deep down our our hearts are hurting because i'm hurting i'll make no mistake yeah we're hurting but we're we're smiling through it for for you guys um for ourselves and and ultimately just just being proud of of the celtics as an organization and and being you know spoiled we're spoiled man 100%. 100%. My heart is feeling the same pain as Giannis's jaw that time Al Horford clocked him after the dunk, you know. So I am down bad, make no mistake, you know, especially watching them hoist the trophy in person. Pat, it was honestly a different type of pain. So I I still literally cannot imagine how the players feel watching that because just as a fan, someone who covers the team watching it, I was – it, it hurt. So, you know, I got to shout out to the guys. But, you know, we're hurting even though we probably sound a little – a little more positive than you know, maybe some other Celtics podcast. I will, I will, I will take a little shot here at uh, Draymond Green. Um, you're goofy, um, tweeting out the energy shifted four times. Um, that that tweet you're referencing was from January, um, and then for you to to like after the finals tell the, all the team like, oh, you guys will be back here and stuff like that, and then do a goofy little shot like that. I just wanted to call you out for it. You know what, dude? Honestly. You're going to hate me for this, but if you win the championship, you earned your right to be petty as all heck. So, hey. My, my, hey be petty, but be petty about um, things that have happened within the last, like, month. Some at least playoff relevant. I mean, you're talking about a, a thing that happened in uh, in uh, freaking January. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, my thing is, like, try to keep it relevant. Try to keep it relevant is my thing. I agree. I agree. You know, I will say though, uh, last comment, you know, this is going to hurt before we hit the road, but you know, the Celtics had these shirts on the seats that had a, uh, that had basically all the banners and then the one empty banner next to 2008 and Draymond wrote in Sharpie, maybe 2023. And See, that, that's cool. Talk- I'm cool with that because yeah, that's relevant to the time period, but quoting the a tweet from January, makes it, you just not, you just look goofy like what are you hunting like something where did that bother you also shout out to play for calling jaron jackson a bum that made me laugh i can't lie <laughs> that's a relevant thing though right that's relevant because i mean they just played them in a playoff so that even that comment's more relevant than attacking jalen's tweet that wasn't even towards anything to do with the warriors in general but you know what they're their champions they get to do what they want you know what? at the end of the I day yeah uh, Draymond, listen i'm gonna go on Draymond's podcast listen to what he has to say man because he's good at podcasting, but that's the, all the praise I'm giving for Draymond here. You can find the show at Ethos Celtics on Twitter. You can find Pat at Ballin Opinions on Twitter. Myself at Luca underscore Gainer. Uh, you can find the show Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SportsEthos.com. You can find us live on Spotify Live, 
if you want to tune in, listen to the show, ask some questions in the chat. You know, the chat is always, you know, pop in here on the show. We love all the people who come interact with us. Shout out to every single one of you. Shout out to people who listen to the show, um, you know, not live on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We appreciate all the listeners. It's been a great year, Pat. It stinks. It didn't end with us talking about a championship, but it does feel good to know that this team is on the right path. And, you know, the way a lot of people are feeling in December, this team is not at all that team. They're a championship level team. And it was really good to see that. Yeah, no. And, and like I said, uh, everything that Lucas reiterated there, man, make sure you guys go follow the show and stuff. Um, help us support. Please don't because the season's over. Stop, you know, listening and everything like that. It's definitely uh we're going to put in a lot of work in the off season. We're still going to be pumping out shows. We're still going to be talking Celtics. There's still a lot of stuff that we have left to, to speak on. And we're just going to appreciate everybody's support. If you need to take a couple of weeks, you know, get, you take the hit. We totally understand that. But put, but please come back and listen to us. Uh, we'll have podcasts for you to catch up on is, as well. And, and the thing is, Pat, you know, on these Spotify live shows, when there's a lot less, when, when we can't go for 50 minutes and like, like it's absolutely nothing during the off season, we're much more likely to bring some people on stage, have some more roundtable discussions here. So, you know, that should be added incentive to get the Spotify live app. But shout out to Sports Ethos. Appreciate you for putting us on. All the guys up top above us, you know, appreciate all you guys. And uh, we look forward to doing another season, man. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll also do a lot of um, uh, try to get some more uh, special guests on during the off season since it's a little bit slower. We'll try to get some of those up. Allow you guys to Absolutely. come up and get questions to to ask to them as well. So thank you guys so much for being supporters. It was a hell of a 2022 sure, season. Uh, Lucas, also, man, a pleasure being, uh, you know, co-host with you all the time, man. This was a, a special year. And I'm looking forward, man, to the off season and, and next season in general. So let's go Celtics still to this day. I hope everybody's healing out there. But we still got a road to getting back there and trying to get that banner 18. All right, guys. Thank you again for supporting. Peace.